2: And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright.
0: And I'm Melissa Moretti.
2: And Melissa, on the show today, we have third, maybe fourth time on the show, our what it feels like our international real estate correspondent, Pete Leung. I'm excited. I've heard a lot about Pete. He's a a phenomenal guy. Extremely knowledgeable. He has holdings uh, in the real estate realm all over the world. Mm -hmm. So it's always great to get his take on What does he think 2024 is going to look like? And obviously he's following various markets from things like London to Hong Kong to various markets in North America. What is he seeing? One thing I will say about Pete, he's extremely knowledgeable on the financing side of the commercial real estate world. So it's it'd be really great to get his take on interest rates. Where are they going? How's it affecting? What does he think? will there be opportunities because of it mm-hmm. um so we have Pete Leung on the show today which we're very grateful to have him because he's calling in from Hong Kong so this is probably when we do our recordings it's probably around 2 or 3 in the morning his time oh wow so yeah so we we really appreciate Pete taking the time to join us but unfortunately we have to. We have some sad news, but we want to definitely acknowledge that uh, every year we have Frank O'Brien join us on the program uh, from the Western Investor and the Glacier Media Group, and shortly after we had him on the recent one we unfortunately found out he was diagnosed with lung cancer and recently we just lost Frank. So we want to definitely acknowledge that our thoughts and prayers go to his family, to everyone at Glacier Media. He'd written for the Globe and Mail, Western Investor, Business in Vancouver. And I know he touched a lot of people in the commercial real estate realm with all of his articles and his stories over the years. So our hearts go out to him. It's never easy to lose anybody, especially around the holidays. It makes it that much harder. So um, our thoughts and prayers go out to him and we wanted to unfortunately pass along the news to let everybody know that, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but we do appreciate everything he left us with. And he was a tremendous uh, writer in the media there and I know very, very well respected across Canada for what he did.
0: So sorry to hear that.
2: So sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, but, well, let's get to our interview this morning with Pete Leung the, uh, to talk all about commercial real estate worldwide. All right, let's go. Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. And we're here today with Pete Leung, international commercial real estate investor, the unofficial international correspondent for the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, and one of the biggest Nickelback fans in the world, Pete, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me, Corey.
2: Yeah, and then just to let you know, you're the only guest we've ever given the official Nickelback title to as part of the intro. So, so it's uh, some people look at it as maybe a little bit of a downplay, but we're 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 honoring you
0: oh with my that God. Uh,
2: with that with that Nickelback title there. But Pete, we uh, before we get into all this Nickelback talk, which I know you want to get into, why don't you tell our listeners more about <laughs> yourself? Because you are this is third or fourth time you've joined us now on the program. So for those listeners who haven't heard your previous episodes, tell us a little bit more about Pete Leung and, and how you got into commercial real estate.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. So I'm, I'm raised in Vancouver and, and most of my career has been in Vancouver and building businesses in Vancouver. So um, about 10 years ago, I've, I've done a lot of international travel and um, I got into real estate because of actually my accountant. My accountant said, I, "I need to be understanding a little bit more about real estate as I built you know, my business portfolio." And um, you know, fast forward, in 2016, I started doing a lot of um, U.K. real estate because uh, of Brexit. And so that was my opportunity in there. A lot of internationals were looking at the U.K. market in terms of residential and, and commercial projects. And so now that I've uh, you know, been exposed to the British pound, and the currency volatility, I decided to go visit the UK, watch a Manchester Man City match, and it was that was the start of my UK real estate career. And so, in eighteen months, we've um, you know, developed a, a significant portfolio of residential property as well as mixed-use uh, properties in the UK. And then, fast forward 2018, I did a lot of um, commercial real estate in the U.S., things like Dollarama or you know Dollar Tree, you know bigger box stores. Uh, in properties. And then from there, Tesco's, Walmart, that type of stuff. And then um, 2020, when COVID ran around, came around and did a lot of Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and New Brunswick. And all the while still doing uh, BC real estate as I'm very, very favored or very bullish in, in the east, uh, Western Canada uh, commercial real estate market. So that gives a little bit about me. I'm, I'm all-rounded uh, investor, love real estate. It's changed my life. It's changed our family tree. And um, it was all because of uh, a light bulb that went off, and and I got to understand how not only money works, but how real estate and commercial real estate works.
2: So, Pete, you touched base really quickly there about some some stuff out east that you were dealing with during COVID. What was the attraction to that real estate at that time out east? Because that's maybe some market traditionally that people may not think are a hotbed for real estate.
1: That that's a great question, and I think what really caught my attention. Really early on in April of 2020, so it was about four months after COVID became a thing, we started realizing that, well, travel is not going to happen. So where is there a market that travel is not important, right? So Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, things, you know, the East Coast doesn't have a huge amount of that, you know, tourism as a big thing. So the local market demand is super high. Vacancy is super low. Rental yields are phenomenal. And yet we were starting to find properties at a depressed price. So it's really the same play over and over again, right? The the UK had that in 2016 where, you know, there was such a large shock in the system that all of a sudden everybody didn't know what to do, right? Deer in headlights. So they did nothing. And in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick, they started having a situation where going, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Properties became for sale at a very, very discounted price. And I said, well, I mean, if the rental yields are phenomenal and vacancies are super, super low, there isn't a tourism element to be lost, essentially. What can we make of this? Right. So we're buying properties at that very beginning point at well over 50 to 60% discount uh, wow. to market for what they're listing. And so by wow. having you know a proper reno, a proper reno, right? Not being just lipstick on a pig, you know, really upgrading the building we were able to achieve some really, really substantial rent increase because we have a better product. And we had the best product available in many, many of the streets that were we're invested in. And so from that, we rent was up significantly because there was no rent control, right? We didn't have the same type of restrictions uh, in terms of rent control. So we were able to bring better product to the market. And was received very well by the, the, the banking community, the financing community, because they saw what type of rental real, yields we were getting, what type of tenants we were bringing in, and how quickly we could uh, rent out our property. So we bought duplexes, quads, fiveplexes, and sixes. And we, our, our lease expense was about thirty five dollars to $40,000 a door. right for and and you know we were able to do that very very quickly and and we were always as as for those who've heard me before i'm very very grateful and thankful for the finance and community being able to be supportive of our idea and being able to execute and so we built a very very large portfolio very very quickly because of the the fundamentals demand and we saw that being an 18 month window that was just shy of that and um you know, we did, uh, we did quite a few projects out there and, and we still kept them, right? We continue to keep them because we're, we believe in wealth building and, and not really in the flipping business. So we want to buy and hold and, and, and prosper.
2: Pete, one thing that you're obviously looking at things from an international level, not just kind of a micro level, like we science do here in BC, whether it be the province or even within a market, what is your take been? on the past, say, 12 months with high interest rates and, you know, some recession challenges and talks in certain markets. What has your take been on the last 12 months? And then what are your thoughts moving forward into 2024 with interest rates and, you know, the economy as a whole? I know it's a loaded question there.
1: Right. Um, Last 12 months has been interesting, but that's where the opportunities came if you're ready. Because we do know that, as the global economy starts to print money. Now, I'm, I'm not an economist, but I, I look at how businesses utilize and follow the money, right? And so much money is being printed. Inflation has to happen. As a matter of fact, in many podcasts, that I, including yours at um, Commercial Real Estate, we're talking about hyperinflation, right? The ability that so much money is being flooded to the market that all of a sudden money is going to depreciate. And that's where inflation is. And so when that happens, there's really a few things that actually can hedge inflation, right? You also have the ability, the contemplation of gold. You also have the contemplation of Bitcoin at one point. And then last but not least is going to be real estate. So those are the sort of newcomers and proven things that has worked or has not worked. And so the last 12 months was largely expected to be inflationary. Yeah. So that was not the hard part to read. The question is, okay, well, now that that's the case, where do you go in the next 12 months and you know having i'm not i'm I don't need to be and I'm not certainly the the smartest cookie in the, in the in the jar but having resources having spoken to many bankers and CIOs at banks the reality is that there is on the street a lot of expectation of possibly between four and six rate rate drops in 2024 and that starts in as early as the second half of the year so what that really means to me is that there is a lot of anticipation that the rates will drop because the economy is going to slow down a lot more, and they're able to now bring interest rates a, lot, a little bit cheaper. Now, with that being said, is that going to be the US or is, that, is, the, is Canada going to follow? So those are you know, the, the things I do think about on a day-to-day basis and, and seeking advice of other um, professionals. But, what I would would say, long story short, in the next twelve months, I am a believer that this is this is where rubber meets the road. If you had a crystal ball and know that rates were going to drop, that absolutely to me means that picking up great you know properties at a great location, that the rental rates could be increased over a reasonable time within you know of course, it would be great if it's one year, but if not outwards of up to two, three years. Raising those rates, popularity in, in great locations will continue to thrive. As a matter of fact, this will be where the capital appreciation will grow the highest. And that's where the next 12 months, to me, globally looks like, certainly from a commercial real estate standpoint.
2: One thing I've always echoed to you and always been so impressed was is your understanding of not only the deal, but the financial and the financing part of a deal. And I think a lot of people look at commercial real estate, you could take the best-in-class asset. The most desirable asset, and put really bad debt on the property, and make it a dog. You can take a good asset or an okay asset, and put great debt on the property, and make it a great asset. What my one thing I've always been so impressed with your knowledge of the financing aspect of it. You mentioned earlier about you know you're, you're meeting with bankers and you're kind of getting all the foresight and stuff like that. What are you hearing heading into 2024 with regard to say, the financing side of the? the business interest rates? What are banks looking for? What are banks running away from? What are your thoughts on the sort of the financial aspect of the lending
1: world? Yeah, that's a very, very important question that you hit on there, Corey, because the financing world is now especially coming out of this shock, right, in terms of going, well, interest rates were largely unanticipated to grow this quickly, this fast, even by banks. And so their pricing models now go, well, we want to save as much of our ammunition for our larger institutional clients because they need the lending, right? And so from that standpoint, and because assets have, some of them have had a little bit of drawdown in terms of their value, essentially, they're able to lend less money to the retail community. So this is where, you know, better plans have to be drawn out. Industrial buildings are are very, very hot still. That sort of, you know, meets their check marks. They are avoiding offices as a whole. And it's not because they don't think it's going to be the thing. It's just that they're not able to give pricing models that support the idea unless a large deposit was placed. So... They're not seeing it today. They're not lending it today as, as favorably, but certainly industrial buildings, mixed use, they're still lending very you know, heavily on multifamily. Debt is being placed, but it's being placed at a, at a premium. And you're certainly seeing that the, the one year being higher than the two-year fixed rates. You're starting to see that uh, you know, across the board, lending in all jurisdictions are at the short term is more expensive than the long term, and because of that, there the bond rates are something that will need to be looked into. I mean, there's a lot of capital appreciation in the bond world, which is where you know a lot of mortgages will be will be based upon as well. Yeah, there's some the capital appreciation certainly from that end being in the bond world moving into equity. So if you're sitting on the sideline, I think um, you know now it's is possibility to look into the bonds, and when the bond starts to rise, certainly with the first uh, you know hint of Real drop in interest rate, you can actually liquidate that and at a probably a six seven percent premium, and then move that into more commercial assets. So um, for the largest capital appreciation. So I think that what banks are really seeing now is that you know your track record, the partners that you have, the people that you have on your team, the performers that you're providing, and what type of uh, corporate covenant your tenants that you are having in your in your property. Those are what's going to make the bank really comfortable as to who they're lending to and the credibility that they're lending to and the tenants that they're lending to. Yeah, no, I know I agree with you on that. If those check marks are filled, then I think that banks are are definitely willing to listen at this point because they they want they they do see it in 6 months, 12 months. They not only will want the institutional con- uh, consumers or lenders. They're also needing to provide a certain amount to small business, you know, self-operators, as well as that of um, you know, investors. So they're definitely wanting their clients to be on the forefront of that. And it's going to be industrial, certainly leading the way again.
2: So you you mentioned too, obviously, you have a fairly substantial portfolio in BC in various markets. what are you what are your thoughts on just the overall BC market from what you've seen and where where it's going? asset class areas what 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 are you seeing? What are you hearing? where Where are you looking?
1: I know this is ambiguous, but I'm certainly looking all over the place. So the deals matter, right? at this point, being very, very prudent, being very logical as to the type of properties that I'm getting into. You know there has to be, a very clear understanding why I'm doing it and what the best case, worst case, and most likely scenarios are going to be where I'm going to be able to find alpha or be able to find, you know, um, outsized returns in these properties. Is there something I could do to increase the value of the property with, you know, without really changing too many walls or you know, redoing a building, anything that's going to be, you know, closer or, at you know, if there's a rate drop to be able to be, you know, neutral, if not positive cash flow. So those are things, I mean, I have to meet the criteria before I look at, you know, what I'm doing in terms of where I'm buying. So that has to fulfill those criteria, And then furthermore in BC, I think the outsized, um, you know, outskirt returns are going to be greatest in, you know, certainly in Victoria, I see a lot of that happening. I see certainly in Kelowna, you know, still continuing to thrive very, very strongly. Of course, there's also talk of, How I'm, you know, I'm always looking at assets where, if there's a possibility to buy in core city centers, right? And and I know that's not come up a lot in a lot of the professional network of real estate, but the reality is those assets will, with this next cycle, may have one of the biggest increases too, because of the the type of covenants that there is, because of the type of property that it is the stability that it has, these type of properties that banks would have less problem lending to, coming with a bigger deposit, but less risk to the bank and less risk premium to the bank, better interest rates are going to be able to drive up capital appreciation probably just as fast, if not faster. And this is where that reverse uh, theory is going to be, right? Not just in places where it's growing, but places where it's highly stable already is going to give an outsized return in capital appreciation, and that's seen in the UK in 2016. That's been seen in a number of different instances in major city centers, where the outskirts grew the largest. When, like a COVID happened, where you know you have you know Surrey Langley, Chilliwack, which I'm also very bullish on, and Maple Ridge, which has had, had tremendous growth. But now, in moving into the cycle, I think that there's going to be a lot of great assets established with high density. That is going to be great for um, capital appreciation as well as increase in rental yield over over time as well. And this might be that opportunity. So I'm certainly eyeing some of those areas at the moment, including, you know, Vancouver and Burnaby.
2: Pete, you mentioned their risk premium, and it's, it's heard a lot when banks are sort of evaluating properties. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit for, for our listeners what risk premium is or how it would relate to, say, financing purposes?
1: Risk premium essentially is really what type of risk do they need to take and how much more you know, money that they need to put on their spread to justify taking on a certain risk. And so really, I mean, this is where you know, we've seen across the board great assets that they're willing to take a discount in terms of their um, profitability to ensure that you can lend they can lend to uh, a portfolio or a series of properties that are very 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 stable. So if that were the case that's where you know in in, in the city center of hong kong that's where i'm also looking where those have been the historically the biggest drop because you're not having rent increases. Vancouver burnaby they're very very stable and so because of that banks are favorable if there's long leases so that's good for them right good covenants for them a developer or a buyer that has had tremendous experience or experience in doing property, you're going to get better rates. And so, but if vice versa, if you're not, they're going to add a bit of premium on taking a risk with what you're about to do. And that becomes more in development. That becomes more in things that have a little bit more uncertainty. So that's where the risk premium is going to be for a lot of investors if, uh, in, when they're choosing property at this point.
2: 2024 is among us here. 2025 follows that, obviously. And a lot of people, there's been some funny things that were we had a previous guest on that was saying back east, there was some sort of funny hashtag survived till 2025, which was kind of represented the development community. Meaning that stuff, obviously you're looking at things on a very, very high level here. I mean, there's been stuff in the media and the news and not asking you to comment on anything in particular, but just that uh, maybe some developers locally, nationally, and probably internationally have maybe had some challenges. Have you seen much of that maybe throughout like your eyes looking around the world? Is there other markets that maybe developers are having challenges or there's been challenges that have resulted in receiverships or projects not going forward, not just here in BC, but anywhere else?
1: Absolutely. And it's going to be that way across the board, right? So this is the inevitable part of doing business is that all tides but, you know, raise all boats, right? So the, the challenge it is now is interest rates are high and it's across the board everywhere. But you also have markets like Japan, right? That historically has been a dud, right? Has has really done nothing for 20 years. It's starting, It it's faced the, one of the largest housing booms in history, right? In Japan, of all places, in Osaka, where they're, you know, building, uh, you know, an expos coming down, their casinos are now being built, you know, within before 2030. So you have a lot of you know where there's negativity, there's other parts of the world that you're going to face a lot of positivity because money has to go somewhere. Yeah. But with that being sure. said, you know Japan is one of those you know good cases. You obviously have you know China, which has faced a lot of uh, headwind uh, with Evergrande and Country Garden, a number of these uh, you know massive, massive developers uh, facing a lot of headwind because their cost of fund is so high to 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 do anything. Um, but again, go, I, I would say this. It's very imp- prudent. Even a developer can get um, um, caught because they're expanding so fast. So they may, you know, I, I look at developers and go, well, they're they're running a business too, right? And their cost of fund is from the banks. So ultimately, at this point, I'm looking at where are the opportunities, what type of, you know, as as the interest rate starts to Slow down, and it was certainly not growing. I, I believe that we're probably through the, 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 the peak of the interest rates. Developers are going to ease up a little bit. they're going to be able to continue to build, but the cost of building has not diminished substantially, right? During COVID, it's gone yeah. up 20, 30, 40, 50 in some cases, 100 percent in quotations. We're not taking yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50 percent discount right now, you know to the peak of COVID. So that's where inflation is going to be. Housing and and replacement costs of buildings are going to continue uh, to to run high. You're you're you know if a building burnt down, you're going to pay more to rebuild the building than what it was worth, what you probably bought it for. And that's where you're seeing a lot of places around the world facing the same situation. So developers are going to be squeezed because their cost of funds is continuing to be high, and they've taken a lot of debt. So where are they developing? So this is where, you know, just a small thing I look for for a developer is where are, they, where are they building primarily that has very little space, right? Where are they historically building that really they can't expand, right? Vancouver is one of those scenarios. Hong Kong is another scenario. Core of London is an element of that scenario where there isn't really any more space to build, right? And so they have to densify right and when that happens yes they're gonna face um challenges but they will still as they continue to do business um come out of it and that's what i'm I'm seeing for for developers so i'm i'm as as much as the news is on developers facing challenges they are running a business and you know if they're having a harder time getting uh, their clients to get mortgages, to buy property, they're not selling as fast, then naturally they're going to get squeezed. And that's universally across the board.
2: Before we before we wrap this up, because I know it's really, really early your time, and we appreciate taking the time, obviously, to, to do this with us here. Where's Pete's money going in 2024? Maybe we can do an international version, and then maybe we'll make it a little more smaller and say within B.C.? where's Pete's money going? any asset class any market budgets unlimited
1: wow free spending power is is very awesome. I mean this is the 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 thinking here um, I would certainly this is what I would do i mean if 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 not just in commercial, but I think you know this is where i would I would possibly do in right now across the board as an investor i would i would be buy, i would be looking at investment grade bonds right and and while that is happening eyeing opportunity in canada and the us those are my more favorable certainly more favorable markets i'm contemplating also in japan i've been studying a lot of their modeling and how that looks and it's actually very very similar to the Canadian market, the U.S. market, as well as the U.K. market, other than language. And that is probably my biggest restriction or biggest um, reason why I'm not in Japan buying pro- actively buying property yet, because their rates are really cheap, the yields are pretty good, and also the demand is just staggering. So that I would look at those markets, Canada, U.S., and Japan are more, more, definitely my favorable macro markets. Uh, but while i'm doing that i'm certainly sitting in i would i would want my money sitting in investment grade bonds uh, i believe in 2024 it's probably going to increase but 4 four to, seven, 4 to 4 to 10% conservatively um, you know if they're if they're a little bit longer dated um 3 to 7 years out and then from there eyeing the opportunities for getting into commercial market when i find things that check you know meet the check marks and also ones that i can finance um effectively
2: bc real estate 2024 any market any asset class
1: where's pete going it definitely wouldn't be residential okay at the very best i might do mixed use but certainly i'm industrial definitely lead the way because you're not you're not getting you're not building more of that um there's not going to be more industrial zones that you know, are going to be granted because of the GDP that's created in industrial. So I do believe that industrial is going to lead the way. That's where my money is going um, as an asset class. If I had to pick just one and and solely retail, I think that is going to slowly again diminish. It's going to be more of a showroom type scenario. So I'm not super bullish on retail, but I am definitely bullish on a combination of these things, industrial, a little bit of retail, the possibility of mixed use. That's those are things I'm definitely eyeing right now. I'm still back to things like uh, we're building mailboxes right now, you know, in property. So I, I don't know where you put you know mailboxes, but I, I sort of put that in the category of industrial because really you're having very little uh, people come through. So that's like uh, your 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 self storage, but miniaturized, right? So everybody needs a mailbox, twenty nine bucks. You get really 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 high rent. Or things of that nature so i I would say you know combine that with a little bit of experience with um business i would love clinics as well so i would say those are more strip malls would would work a little bit of retail so i would they say those ones would be my top picks would be industrial and combination of borderline industrial and retail
2: any particular markets any markets jump to mind
1: I love smaller markets. I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm eyeing Vancouver and Burnaby. If an exceptional deal comes around, um, those are, are, are because it's slightly out of budget for some, it, that's giving me an ability to be creative. So that's where that's, now, I don't know if I'll be able to pick up anything in 2024 in those markets because of how, um, you know, deals have to be structured, but I would say, um, Nanaimo is one that we've always, you know, Corey, you and I talked about, uh, Kelowna is another one that I've talked about. I like Maple Ridge. I also like um, Chilliwack for its growth. Surrey is definitely going to be continuingly to be interesting. So I'm I'm looking at those markets as well. But I would say the top ones are probably going to be outskirts where it's going to be Nanaimo, Kelowna, um, Kamloops, Maple Ridge, and Chilliwack.
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree with you on all those markets. I think that's where all the value is. And I think one thing we're seeing too is a kind of like a trend right now is like single-story retails, obviously, I think has a a good trend upwards right now where it's it, it was obviously during the pandemic, it was, you know, I mean, it, they went through some, some major turnover, but now you're starting to see how the new face of retail is looking and you commented on there too about like medical clinics and stuff like that, that we've all discovered now that uh, you mean we can, we can get Starbucks to come to our house through DoorDash, but Starbucks still needs a physical location. And as much as we want the dentist to come clean our teeth in our house, we can't, we have to go down to their physical location. So that new face of retail is really starting to, to sort of find its way. And I think you're finding a lot a big uptick will kick in pretty quickly when you look at single story retail. If you can, if you can find it, that's the problem. Is there's not a lot of a lot of it yeah. that's great out there that makes it very hard. Pete, you before we let you go here, you know we got this six pack of lighthearted questions out there. We, can you have a few more minutes for us? We've kind of made a couple of minor tweaks to our normal questions. This is the uh six pack Pete edition. Favorite watch brand. And, and for those listeners that don't know Pete, I, I, I'm going to say a very enthusiastic watch collector. Correct me if I'm wrong. Favorite no, watch right. brand. Favorite watch brand.
1: Um, I'm going to have to sneak two in there. I think uh, my all-time favorite is On My Bigay, uh, AP for short. And um, my independent watch maker would be uh, Grubel Forsey.
2: And for our listeners there, just not, maybe not familiar with the watch game, an AP, how much would that cost me to get an entry-level AP, just a ticket to the stadium?
1: Uh, a code 1159 would run probably about 30, about 30,000 US as an entry piece. Wow. Wow. So
2: forty forty five thousand 45,000 Canadian.
1: But you can buy vintage, but you can buy vintage, uh, which, is, oh, okay. which is another... Areas so that that might that that will give you a little bit of discounts and more importantly, I think that you know certain styles that uh, exist back then that don't exist today. So you can always consider vintage, even though um, you know if thirty thousand is is not what you want to spend right now, uh, vintage is a possibility.
2: And what what does vintage cost? Am I saving three grand?
1: You can you can possibly save thirty percent. So I think oh, okay. you can get you can get you can probably entry in good condition though. Probably about twenty thousand, you can you can get an entry to to the stadium. Oh, there you go, Melissa.
2: Oh, there, great. there you go. Now, now, now it's dropped. Now it's in your price range, now, Melissa.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is how not fancy I am. I have never heard of any of these brands.
2: So. She, she doesn't even have a watch on right now. That's right. I have an Apple Watch. Apple Watch. There
1: that's you go. I mean, why do you why do you need a watch when you have a phone?
2: Exactly. That's right. There you go. That's a good way to look at. Rather Save for thirty thousand. Rather buy real estate. <laughs> rather buy real estate. There yeah. you go. Here's investing advice from Melissa.
0: That's right. All right. Next question, Pete. Favorite bar or restaurant?
1: Um, I would say, you know, recently I was in Vancouver. So I've had a tremendous experience at Global at Tells Gardens and and just the amazing, amazing tomahawk steak. Just had a great experience, great service, great ambiance, great food. Actually, you know, surprisingly less expensive than I thought. And so I would say Global is my certainly recent favorite in in Vancouver.
2: Okay, Pete, this leads us into our next question. You've unfortunately found yourself on death row. You've done some terrible stuff, but you're given one final meal before it's all said and done. What meal are you having?
1: This is a very important question here. I would say, you know, I'm going to have beef hot pot. And uh, I know mm. this is a little bit alternative, but I would say, I didn't even know how many things that you can cook. Uh, you know, like I thought beef is beef, but I you, I would go beef hot pot. And it is is by far my favorite cuisine as the last six months uh post COVID. Hmm.
2: Beef hot pot. Put oh, that on put that on the list.
0: All right. Next question. And this is this is the Pete edition, so it's very fancy apparently. Favorite car? Dream car. Dream car. Dream car.
2: Favorite dream
1: car. Yeah. You know what? Surprisingly, I I'm not a car guy. Um okay. But I would say, you know, if the opportunity ever existed, I would, I would go for a Rolls Royce Phantom.
0: Huh. Huh. Not a car guy.
2: Not a car guy. But we'll go for that. But you got an AP on, you got to have the matching car. You got to have the Rolls Royce to go with the AP. This
0: is another language to me. I drive a little Fiat.
2: And and I will say this, her, her, car is very tiny, very tiny.
0: (laughs) Best city car, best city car. Very
2: tiny car, (laughs) loudest speakers in the city though. Loudest (laughs) speakers in the city, you know, when she's coming. No (laughs) bass. All right, Pete, next question up. A book recommendation that you would have for one of our listeners can be anything.
1: It'd be limitless. Um, I've, I've shared a few books here. Uh, Jim Quick has become, um, a gentleman I've come to respect tremendously. So he's the brain coach. I was recently at his book launch in Miami and was invited there and it was, was just had a great conversation, great people, great time. He's just updated his version as, um, his new edition of limitless. So it has been a book that I absolutely recommend how you can learn faster, how you can learn better. And if there's anything that we need, it's, it's the ability to learn. And, um, the minute we stop learning, we start growing. So I would say this is definitely a book that you should pick up and anybody, should, it's, it's for anybody. It's like, you know, how my kids can learn how to do better in school, how they can absorb more information. I would say that is, um, that's something we, we can all use and upgrade.
2: Delimious. Uh this, this is the life, how busy Pete's life is. Last time he was in the city, he was flying to Miami and I was off to Palm Desert for a conference. So we and him met for coffee and breakfast at YVR and then off he goes to uh, to Miami there for the for uh, a book launch. Pete last question up. Oh, Melissa, I'm taking your job here. Please do. You sure?
0: Yeah. Although I will say no nickelback. There no, will no, be no nickelback no. answers no. to. No. So last so what,
2: what we haven't asked you Pete here is one of the questions we typically ask people's favorite favorite band or musician, but I know the answer that's Nickelback. So we don't want to put out the obvious there, so we're going to twist it up a little bit. So you're, you're, it's Friday night the week is done. You're having some beverages. You're out with the guys and someone gives you a karaoke mic. What song are you singing? I know your obvious choice is going to be, you know, photographed by Nickelback. So we don't have to go down that road. So we'll give you another second place choice behind an obvious Nickelback song. What karaoke song is Pete Leung singing?
1: I mean, I don't know if anybody wants to hear me sing, <laughs> but um, I, I would say, you know what? If we're all having a great time, I'm going to go with Sai with Gangnam style.
2: Oh, <laughs> Melissa's eyes lit up. I love that. That's what Melissa sounds like she's listening to in her car when she's driving down. That's straight. right.
0: That's right.
2: The speakers are so loud.
0: That's a she's great song
2: for dancing. style on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You got to have a great time. On. Well, that's, that, right. that's a great way to end this episode, Pete. But for all of our listeners, I want to find out more about what you're doing, what you're thinking about. How can our listeners find out more and get a hold of you?
1: Sure. Um, People can get a hold of me at LinkedIn, Instagram, or, or Facebook at I am Peter Leung. So I am Peter Leung and you know follow my follow my journey as I do uh, commercial real estate. Just you know being a family guy, you know having you know life of two kids, and um, trying to improve my ha- golf handicap as well. So follow me around, and um, and we'll talk everything from business to uh, to personal life.
2: I will say, uh, I will say um, your swing from what I've seen on video looks very, very
1: good. Thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the, the day that we, uh, we get to play a game, uh, Corey.
2: Yeah, no, we'll, we'll make that happen in 2024. So Pete, thank you so much once again for, for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. We know it's really early in the morning where you are. So thank you for your time as always. Thanks, Pete. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks, our interview with Pete Leung, the official Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, international commercial real estate correspondent. I'm um, so
0: excited to have finally heard from him. That's he's great. I know we always yeah. talk
2: about him all the time. And I hear about
0: him every day. Yes.
2: No, it was great to have him on. Great insight. I always love talking to Pete. Such a good guy. Yeah. Um, but one thing we we didn't mention in the intro there was yeah. you just got back from Austin. I
0: did. Austin,
2: Texas, which is I'm- a- huge real estate market here in North America. Yes. Tell us what Austin, Texas was all about. I
0: just, I feel like I'm radiating with excitement about Austin, Texas. It was, it was,
2: why, why was it? I've never been to Austin, so I'm
0: way better than I expected. Not that I had a lot of expectations, but you hear, you hear a lot about Austin these days, right? Yeah.
2: Lots of good real estate news coming out of there.
0: It's very vibrant, very young. Apparently the average age there is 34, which like you can feel it. You walk on the streets and you're like, Oh wow. Like this is a young population. And they've got the University of Texas there. And so, you know, a lot of young, educated people coming into the city. They have a really vibrant music scene. But now a lot of tech companies are going there. I've heard right? a lot of
2: tech companies, even a lot of other companies just in general yeah. with, with the tax breaks and everything yeah. that the, the government's putting out there. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I did. So you liked I, it? I loved it. Is there I lots of
2: development it. going on everywhere?
0: You know, I didn't really look too much for that. Like I was downtown for a couple of days and then yeah. I went, I kind of stayed in the. In the countryside, which was only like 20 minutes out of the city, but it's like, you know, two to 10 acre properties and ridiculous homes that look like palaces, right? Wow.
2: Um, and, and why did you go to Austin, Texas? You might've already told me that, but why? I
0: went, I just went for a workshop. So I was, oh, okay. like I said, I was downtown for a couple of days and then, you know, just enjoying the city life a little bit. And then I got out into, out into the country a little bit.
2: Literally out into the country.
0: Out in, well, I mean, 20 minutes out of the city.
2: Yeah. But cowboy, did felt- you get Do you get a cowboy hat? <laughs> No. Okay. Well, ask.
0: <laughs> I was actually, I was surprised how green Texas was too. Really? Yeah. Like flying. in. I was like, Oh wow. There's like a lot of trees here. It's I, not, you know, not mountainous, but, but green.
2: I went to Texas once. Yeah. For like an hour on a stopover.
0: And you wore a cowboy hat just for that.
2: <laughs> well, like I literally, over. I literally got off the plane. I think it was in Dallas. Fort Worth was the airport. And I got off the flight from Vancouver to connect to go to Florida. I remember getting off and I saw the world's biggest Applebee's and I was like, <laughs> If this isn't Texas written all over it, I don't know what it is. So Uh I went into Applebee's and had like the world's biggest hamburger, it felt like. Oh, wow. Down there. So everything's bigger in Texas.
0: So I've been told that Austin is kind of like the, it's like the cool hip area Ah, of Texas. It's not like it feels less like what you think is typical Texas.
2: Sort of cowboys and cowboys and trucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You didn't see a ton of that, but.
2: No. Well, I, I do know a lot of people that you know in the real estate realm. Like yeah. Austin, Texas, is way up there, both on the residential and the commercial side. Yeah. So you hear lots of good coming out of there, and, yeah. and all that stuff. And actually, one of the companies that did our CIR program for our company, they were based in Austin, Texas. Okay. So I was picking her brain all the time about like lease rates and what was she oh. saying? And she was she was, she was uh, came over from L.A.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Moved to Austin, Texas, That's and she said really common huge tech scene down there. Yeah. She said great livability. Affordability was really good. Obviously it's getting more expensive, but still like their level of expensive is far below what we know as expensive in Vancouver. Yeah. So although prices had gone up dramatically, they were still relatively affordable overall. Lots of companies were moving into Austin, Texas and the Dallas, Texas area there. So you're getting a lot more head offices come in. Yeah. Obviously the taxes in the state of California, dramatically higher, both for corporate and for individuals. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some tax benefits to come down there, I think, Maybe I'm wrong. It didn't, didn't, I think Tesla was moving their headquarters.
0: Yeah, Tesla, Amazon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What
2: Don't does that quote type? me on
0: the Amazon thing, but I do. Oh, no, I, know that that, no I, I
2: quoted you on that. That's been okay. quoted. Yeah, that's been quoted. That's, like, we're going to put that in the show notes. Okay.
0: The one, the one thing though that I was hearing from locals is that apparently in the summer, it gets almost unbearably hot for several months.
1: And so
0: that's kind of my only like, hmm, like I went, you know, in December and yeah. it was like 20, 24 degrees. Yeah. And it was nice, but they said, you know, May to September, it's like hot.
2: I'll be honest with you. I I was like debating and I didn't, but I was debating about going to Austin, Texas in September because Nickelback was playing.
0: All right. There you have it, folks. But before That's we let, every, before we let everyone go, before we
2: let everybody go, <laughs> talking about exciting news this past week. Yes. There was a big announcement that came out. There was about a festival, two day concert coming to BC Place.
0: Oh my goodness! I thought you were going to talk about interest rates.
2: Yeah, no, no, this is even bigger than interest rates. Oh, okay, this 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 single handedly will stimulate the economy here in Vancouver. <laughs> uh, it's a two day event. I'm surprised you don't know. You like country music. I got to go. That I think the Saturday is headlined by Luke Combs. And there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Okay. And Friday night at BC Place. BC Place. This is how big they are. At BC Place, Friday night headliner, Nickelback. Nobody's excited. Nickelback. No one's excited. They're going to put 60,000 bums in seats to watch them (laughs) at BC Place. (laughs)
0: They're there to see Luke Combs. No, Luke Combs on Saturday. No, they're a different night.
2: Yeah, they're going to go on Saturday for Luke Combs. All right. Friday night, Nickelback. Headlines, BC Place.
0: You'll be there. Does it
2: get any bigger than that?
0: I think it probably does.
2: No, not at all. Not at all. Nickelback, Friday, in April sometime, (laughs) BC Place Stadium. The, The roof could be open. All right. The roof could be open, and you could have Nickelback. Downtown Vancouver with sixty thousand of your closest friends. Wow. Does it get any better? Probably not. I will say this: I saw Luke Combs last time he came at BC Place. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah, we we had a box and we that. took a whole bunch of staff with us. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal concert. Mm-hmm. Like he's even better live than he is on his on his CDs.
0: Yeah,
2: not that I have CDs, but on, <laughs> what, what do you what do you call it now? His his Apple his album. No, no, he's even better now live. Than he is on my Apple Store. How's that? How's that on my Apple Store? So yeah, he was phenomenal. He was great. So he's headlining apparently Saturday.
0: Okay, that Nickelback. I'll
2: go to. Nickelback is Friday. So I'm trying to wrangle some stuff out of BC Place, and uh, apparently you got to buy stuff for two days. Apparently you got to buy stuff for two days. You can't get a box for just one day. You got to get it for like the whole weekend. Right. So the problem is, if I go see call Nickle, me on
0: Saturday, I'll if
2: I, I see Nickelback on Friday,
0: yeah,
2: and I might have my strong bows with me. I probably won't be in a position to function on Saturday to see Luke Combs. Right. It only takes about one strong bow to knock me out nowadays. I'm getting old, so I probably <laughs> won't have enough energy to go see him on Saturday. So I'm trying to negotiate for just the, the one night. Right. But I'm not having well, any success. I'm not having any success with that. Yeah. So
0: you know why? Because nobody's just going to buy if if they let everybody do that. Nickelback wouldn't sell out yet. It's a package deal. It's like when you get, you know, a nice bottle of shampoo and they give you this tiny little
2: dinky thing on the side. Yeah. But that tiny little dinky thing would be Luke Combs. They're, they would, they would sell out. <laughs> if they did that, there'd be no one to go see Luke on Saturday. Everyone would be there on Friday. Okay. And the stadium would be empty on Saturday. All right. So this way they spread the love over two days. I think we better go now. And you get, you no, know, we got lots of time. We got lots of time. We had a great interview here. What, what time is it here? We still have a few more minutes. So yeah, so it'd be great. So. Let's leave it there. I know everyone right now is probably like trying to like download and get their tickets and go online to Ticketmaster as fast as they can if they don't already know the news. But yeah, you know what we should do? You know what we should do? Do the show there. Oh, could you imagine? We you know, should. Hey, That's I'm, Adam's week. Oh, yeah. We're going to do, we're gonna try to do the commercial real estate podcast live from backstage at Nickelback. <laughs> we should try to get our hands on tickets and give them away. If we did a contest to give away Nickelback <laughs> tickets, we would probably get at least two people apply. That's right. At least two people would apply for those tickets. You, me, yeah, and your yeah.
0: wife just to appease yeah. you.
2: Yeah, so it'd be great. So, yeah. so maybe we'll maybe we'll do that in the new year. Okay, Maybe we'll do that. We'll get our hands on Nickelback tickets, and we'll give them away to listeners. Okay. Okay. All right. On that exciting note there, I don't know what better note we can leave everybody on, but thanks so much for listening guys. We'll be back with another great episode next week.
0: And how can everybody get a hold of you? Oh, yeah,
2: that's right. Thank you so much. All the excitement from Nickelback just completely forgot my lines. Uh, You can reach out to me anytime at, uh, by email, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always love hearing from people, especially if you love Nickelback. Actually, I will say this. A couple of listeners emailed me when the announcement came out.
0: No, they didn't. I did. I
2: saved the thing. They like, they made comments about the Nickelback concert. Um, they can all, you can visit our website, williamwright.ca or nickelback.com for further tickets, or you can go call our Vancouver office, 604-428-5255 and let us know the latest and greatest news or anything. Or you can call 604-280-4444 at Ticketmaster to get your Nickelback tickets for BC Place. And Melissa, how can people get a hold of you?
0: All right. You can call me 778-869-4477 or send me an email at melissa@vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. At if you don't
2: like Nickelback. Or if you do, you can contact me. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a Take good care. Bye bye.
1: Subscribe today.